Welcome to Diabetes Unplugged. Welcome to Diabetes Unplugged, the podcast where we shine light on life beyond the diagnosis and dare to redefine the way we approach diabetes wellness. In today's episode, I'm really actually super excited about it because I am going to be sharing with you what could quite possibly be one of the most important pieces of information that I ever record across this platform, okay? This one, you might need to get a pen and paper out and write some things down because there's going to be a lot to think about, but in doing so, you are really going to be able to set the foundation in your health journey going forward because I'm going to be sharing with you 13 questions to ask yourself before starting your health journey. Now, I want to bring it back a little bit to... Uh, when you first got a diagnosis of anything, not just diabetes, whether it was high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, high cholesterol, whatever it was, you went to the doctor, you were told, hey, you know, according to your labs or according to these tests that we ran, this is what it's looking like that you're dealing with, or maybe you just had a stroke or a heart attack or something, something that has triggered you to need to make substantial lifestyle changes or else, basically, and we're going to leave the or else to the imagination for now, but or else, right? And so you could quite possibly be one of those people that were like, oh my gosh, you know, I have this diagnosis, I need to do something to change my lifestyle, you know, I'm just going to do all the things. So it's really likely that, you know, you probably went and got a gym membership, right? Maybe you went home and you started looking through your cabinets and throwing away all the processed food and, you know, clearing out everything from, you know, underneath your sink and <laughs> in, in your pantry and all those kinds of things, just getting rid of everything, right? Now I'm talking about these people that are kind of like those, I'm going to go from zero to a hundred type people, the people that are like, you know, hey, I I don't want this to be my reality. I need to change some things, right? And so when we kind of do that after receiving, you know, whatever our diagnosis is, we, we try to go from zero to 100 and do all the things and start working out super, you know, hard in the gym and we're cutting out certain food groups and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's real sweet in the beginning, right? You might be seeing some results, you know, for your efforts and all that. Like it's real sweet. It looks real good. You know, you're maybe you're losing a little bit of weight and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's real nice. But then you kind of find yourself sort of kind of slowly but surely getting back to some of your old habits, right? And the reason why we do this is because most times this whole going from zero to a hundred thing overnight it's just not sustainable. It's sustainable for a week or two, maybe even three, right? But after that, it becomes more of a chore instead of something that is more realistic according to your lifestyle, right? But before we kind of hop into this, I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna eat salads every day, like you're you're not there yet immediately after you receive a diagnosis. You're not there yet. The first thing that you have to do is reflect, Right. And so by going through these 13 questions and really taking some time to ask yourself these questions and create awareness around some of these things, that's going to be able to help you really create a sustainable plan of action going forward before you just hop into, you know, what diet culture is kind of telling us to do. Right. So, like I said, I want to encourage you, you know, get a journal, get a piece of paper, get a pen, go get some coffee or some tea or something, a smoothie, whatever it is that you want and kind of sit down with me and take your time uh, kind of going through these questions with me. So that way you can reflect and you can really set the foundation of the actions that need to take place after this reflection. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. The very first question that you need to ask yourself before starting your health journey is what is my why for embarking on this health journey and how will it sustain me 
when challenges arise. This is like the number one thing that you need to ask yourself. It's a two-part question, right? What's my why? Now, your why is gonna be super, 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 super important because your why is your motivation, right? Like your why is your driving force. It's going to give you purpose and it's going to give you direction and it is going to be what keeps you holding on when everybody else quits. Like when when stuff hits the fan and things are not panning out the way that you think that they should be panning out, you're always going to go back to your why. And when creating your why or identifying your why, it's really important that you sit down and kind of unpack a lot of things in order to get the root of why it is that you want to change your lifestyle. Now, granted, in the beginning, it's going to be like, you know, I want to do this because I want to be healthy. And that that's beautiful, right? That's beautiful. But I want you to dig a lot deeper than that. And I want you to identify what that actually means. What does I want to be healthy actually mean? What does healthy look like for you? You know what I mean? Because it's one thing to say, okay, I'm getting ready to change my lifestyle because, you know, I don't want to have diabetes anymore. Beautiful. Like I said, beautiful. But again, it's like, what, what does that mean for you? Right? Like, why does it matter for you to not have diabetes anymore? What are you going to be able to do? Or how is your lifestyle going to look different once you no longer have diabetes? That is your why. It needs to be something that you connect to, that when you hear it, it almost brings tears to your eye. That is your why. And in the beginning, you may not know what that why is. You or you might have a really shallow why. <laughs> you know what I mean? You might have a real shallow why in the beginning. Like if you're a person that's like on a weight loss journey, your why might be, listen, I got this vacation coming up in a couple months and I want to look good. From on my vacation, you know what I'm saying? Like I wanna, I wanna be able to, you know, meet some fine specimens on my vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna look the part. I wanna feel good. You know what I mean? That might be your reason. You know what I mean? But when you start embarking on this journey, right, and you're making changes to your diet, and you're working out, and you're prioritizing rest, and you're trying to manage stress or whatever, thinking about that vacation might not be motivation enough to keep you on this journey. Does that make sense? So understanding your why, understanding the reason behind, you know, why it's imperative that you make these lifestyle changes, that's going to provide you with the, should we call it like emotional fuel, <laughs> right? Like it's gonna provide you with the emotional fuel to keep going when the going gets tough. Because one thing I can guarantee you is, when you are trying to change your life, when you're trying to change your health, when you're trying to change the way you think, when you're trying to change, you know, the way you eat, whatever it is, things are going to get rough. Things are going to get challenging. I can guarantee you a thousand percent of the time. And so if you don't know or you don't have a deeply rooted connection to why this journey is important for you to where when you say it out loud, again, it brings tears to your eyes. Again, keep keep digging, keep digging until you find that. You know what I mean? And you might find that you have to embark on the journey first for a little minute, you know, and then as you're kind of going through the journey, then your why gets a little bit more real. It gets a little bit deeper and you start peeling back the layers of why it really is important for you, okay? Question number two, how will I prioritize self-care and self-compassion throughout my health journey? Now, I'm going to say this right off the bat, self-care and self-compassion are the foundations of sustainable change. And when I say sustainable change, you got to really put this into perspective. It's like, what do you want? Do you want to just get quick results and then, you know, two months down the line, you're back at square one? Or are you wanting to create change in your life that you can see a year from now, two years from now, a decade from now, so on and so forth, right? Now, without self-care and self-compassion, you are pretty much diving headfirst into burnout. And I guess even more for me, important than, self, important than burnout is self-criticism, right? Like sometimes we can be our worst critic, but I want you to think of someone in your life that you care about a lot. 
just think about somebody like it can it probably will immediately come to your mind. I want you to think about somebody that you just care about, right? And I want you to think of all the things that you are doing for that person or are willing to do for that person because you care about them, right? Like what ways do you show up for that person? What ways do you show them that you're reliable and that you have their back and that you care about them and that you love them and that you're glad that they're a part of your life? Which, what actions do you take to show that person that, right? Like we're not even thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about a whole nother person here, right? If this person makes a mistake, how do you help them through that mistake? How do you, how do you encourage them and tell them, Hey, it's all right. Like we've been there right? But here's how we're going to move forward from this. Think about that, right? Now, I want you to take that same care and compassion that you show towards that person, and I want you to redirect it towards yourself. Redirect it towards you, because that's what you're going to need when you're going throughout your health journey. How are you going to prioritize that, right? Because by prioritizing self-care and self-compassion, This is going to make sure that you approach your journey with kindness and not in more than kindness, patience, right? You got to approach it with both because again, it's like you're starting from the beginning. You're a beginner in this thing. That means that mistakes are bound to happen, that things are bound to go off track a little bit, but how are you going to prioritize giving yourself grace while also pulling yourself back on track to make sure you can continue moving forward through your health journey. Question number three, do I have a clear path for gradually incorporating healthier habits into my daily life? Do I have a clear path, a clear plan of action, a clear clear plan is going to set you up for success? If you don't know what you're doing, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, then you're just going to be going through the motions and you're just going to feel lost in limbo. Nothing is going to make sense and it's going to make it a lot harder for you to be consistent, right? A clear plan is going to help you prevent feeling overwhelmed and it's going to also allow you to, again, make gradual changes that are more likely to stick. We're not going going big or going home. You know what I'm saying? We're not going all in. We're not going zero to a hundred. This is gradual things. And so having a clear step-by-step, you know, simplified plan of action is going to make it so much easier for you to maintain and develop healthy habits because you have clear direction. So if you don't have clear direction, you need to get clear. And you have to identify, well, how can I get clear? Do I need to reach out to a mentor? Do I need to take a masterclass? Do I need to call a friend? Do I need to study something? Do I need to read a book? You know what I mean? What is going to make you feel like you have a clear plan of action? Maybe you need to call a friend and use them as kind of like a backboard to bounce some ideas off of. Whatever it is that you need to do for you, you need to have a clear plan of action for gradually And that's the key word, gradually incorporating these healthier habits into your daily life. What is that going to look like? Question number four. I love this question. (laughs) I'm such a girl. Uh, Question number four. Again, I really love this question. And I think I love it so much because I really, I've had to ask myself all these, but question four really sticks for me. How do I define success in my health journey and what does that look like for me for me now we live in the world of diet culture we live in the world of social media we live in the world of reality tv we live in the world of you know celebrities celebrity gossip you know, BBLs, all, like all kinds of stuff. We live like that's that's the reality. That's the the culture that that we live in. But it's important for you to understand that this is your journey, right? And success and what that looks like that varies from person to person. That looks different. How I define success in my health journey might look totally different from what you feel like success looks like 
in your health journey. So defining what it means to you is going to ensure that you're working towards a goal that truly matters to you, not someone else's idea of what success should be for you. Does that make sense? You're doing this according to your mind and your vision, not somebody else's, right? And so really, again, sit down with yourself and define, like write this out. What does success look like for me? For example, for me, success in my health journey looks like being able to enjoy life, meaning go on vacations or go out to eat or spend time with my loved ones or enjoy the holidays, you know, even though there's a lot of food and different things around and stuff like that, and being able to feel fully confident in my decisions around food, whether that is me eating a donut or eating candy or eating, you know, I don't know, a slice of cake or whatever, and not hanging guilt over my head for making that decision. I want to feel just as confident in my ability to choose the cake as I do when I choose the salad. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times when we think about our health journey, we're only thinking physical. And for me, success in my health journey means mental, mental clarity, mental joy, mental peace you know, in my decision-making around food, because I can guarantee you sometimes I'm going to eat a piece of cake and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy all the sugar in that cake. And I want to have the ability to literally just have the cake and move on instead of being like, oh, I shouldn't eat the cake. You know, I put on five pounds because I ate a piece of cake, which is a lie. You know what I mean? Sometimes we can just super guilt trip ourselves. Um, about some of the decisions that we make in regards to some of the food choices that we have. So you have to define what success looks like for you. Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it emotional? Is it all three? You have to define that for yourself, okay? Question number five, how does my environment support or hinder my health journey? And what changes can I make? Now, this is really, really important. Your surroundings have a significant impact on your habits. That just, that's the truth of the matter. Identifying what supports or hinders your progress is going to empower you to make necessary changes for success. Now, with this being the case, you also have to recognize that there are some things within our environment that we cannot control. That's a very, very important piece of this puzzle too, because everything you're not going to be able to change. If you live with your parents and they don't eat well, you know what I mean? You're not going to be able to go and tell your parents you can't eat that or whatever, unless, you know, you buy your own groceries and all that kind of stuff. Like that's what you can control, right? But you're not going to go to your mom and dad's house throwing away all their food without their permission, you know, like that kind of stuff. Some things are going to be beyond your control and that is okay. What changes can you make to your environment? It's about knowing what you can do, not focusing on the things that are beyond your control. But your environment could be, again, your home life. You know, how is your home life? How is your kitchen? Is your kitchen set up for success? Do you have all the materials that you need? Do you have all of the ingredients that you need? Do you have all of the, you know, kitchen appliances that you need in order to set yourself up for success? Do you have meal prep containers? Like those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Your environment could be, you know, where you choose to be physically active. Do you feel like going to the gym? is conducive to your mental health? Do you feel like that environment supports or hinders your health journey? Now, the average person is gonna be like, well, yeah, it's the gym. Going to the gym is really good for you. But if you go to the gym and it's triggering anxiety and it's triggering comparison and it's triggering self-doubt, that environment is not conducive to your growth. It's not supportive to your health journey. So what can you do? Can you work out at a park? Can you take a walk around your neighborhood? Does that align better for right now until you can build the confidence to go into the gym? So there's different things that, you know, are a part of your environment. There's different things that are influenced, um, you know, as far as the, well, I won't say influence. There are different things or belief systems or, you know, actions that your environment does trigger is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? 
Question number six, what is my plan for tracking and measuring my progress towards my health goals? This is such a good question to ask because automatically a lot of people think tracking as like counting calories or tracking their meals or, you know, different things like that. And I do want to say just for complete transparency that like, yeah, like sometimes tracking and, you know, using the MyFitnessPal or the Chronometer app, that can be really helpful for someone that just wants to have the information on, okay, what am I consuming? How much of it am I, con- am, am I consuming? Am I going overboard? Am I doing too much? Am I not eating enough? You know what I mean? Those are really going to be helpful tools to help you track and measure your progress. But when it comes to answering and reflecting on this question, I also want you to think of things that are like beyond that, right? Or that are beyond how much weight you lost. Again, those are part of the process and that's really going to probably help you feel validated and like the effort that you're putting in, it, it, it's worth continuing to put in, I guess, to say the least. But I want you to think of things like, hey, how are my clothes fitting? Not did the number on the scale change, but how are my clothes fitting? How is my energy level? How is the quality of my sleep? You know what I mean? How is my ability to handle stress? How is that changing? You know what I mean? When I wake up in the morning, how's my mental health? Do I get excited about the food that I'm eating or do I feel really low? Do I feel like it's a chore? You know what I mean? Like those things also are really, really important for helping you to track your progress. You know what I mean? So having just reflecting on those and creating awareness around those things are really important and also Finding those ways in different ways, creative ways, I should say, to track your progress is going to keep you accountable and it's also going to keep you motivated, right? So I would encourage you to maybe have a combination of both. You know what I mean? Maybe you're a person that does want to step on the scale once a week because that motivates you and you write it down in your journal, right? Because that keeps you accountable. Or maybe you are a person that wants to track their food or whatever. Beautiful. On the opposite end of that, again, pay attention to your energy levels. Pay attention to the quality of your sleep. Pay attention to all those kinds of things, right? So tracking in all those things and and across all of those avenues are really important. And maybe coming up with a combination of those things and putting it in a journal. Just, hey, I'm going to track this, this, and this. You know, pick three things that you're going to track. And let that be, you know, the, the areas that you hold yourself accountable in. And that helped to keep you motivated, right? So really important for seeing, you know, how far you've come and what adjustments you might want to make as well, okay? Question number seven, love this one too. Am I prepared to commit the time and effort required for long-term success in my health journey? This is a two-part question. So let's start with that one. Am I prepared to commit the time and effort required for long-term success in my health journey? Let me tell you something right off the bat. Answering this question is going to require what I like to call radical honesty. Radical honesty. Radical honesty means you are keeping it 100% real with yourself. Radical honesty is I might be able to lie to other people, but I can't lie to myself. You know what I'm saying? Are you prepared to commit the time and effort required? Because at the end of the day, it is going to take both of those things in order for you to create a sustainable, healthy, balanced lifestyle. What if there was a way for you to get access to the best diabetes resources without having to pay for extensive programs or spend time, effort, and energy trying to DIY your diabetes journey all on your own? Well, let me tell you about the Queen East Nutrition 8 ebook bundle, an exclusive collection curated from Dominating Diabetes Academy without the long-term commitment. Dive into the hypertension handbook, savor seven days of plant-based breakfast, explore the diabetes skincare guide, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to explore this exclusive bundle and elevate your diabetes journey with ease. Now let's get back into today's episode. It is going to take time. And 
that is probably one of the number one areas where people specific, specifically the diabetes community, when we talk about reversing diabetes and balancing blood sugar, a lot of times, especially depending on how long you've dealt with diabetes, you want it to happen quick. People are always Googling, how can I lower my blood sugar quickly? You know what I mean? Or asking me, you know, what what's the least amount of time it'll take to reverse diabetes? How fast can it happen? At the end of the day, it's going to take time. And sometimes that time is six weeks. Sometimes that time is six months. Sometimes it's three months. Sometimes it's a whole year. It really just depends. But at the end of the day, what we can all agree on is it is going to take commitment. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take you putting forth effort in order to reap what you are sowing. And so understanding the commitment that is required is that's going to prepare you mentally. Don't think that you're going to just do something for a week or two and then all your problems are going to go away. Don't think even that you're going to do something for a month or two and all of the habits, the unhealthy habits that you've had for the last 20 years that they just disappear. Absolutely not. You're retraining yourself. And so that is going to take time and it's going to take intentional effort in order to do that. Now, part two of this question, it says, if I am not prepared currently, what would make me feel more prepared on this journey? Only you can ask yourself and answer this question. What is going to make you feel more prepared for this journey? Do you need to give yourself a reality check? Do you need to sit down and really, you know, journal some things. Do you need to, you know, plan something? Do you need to plan your meals? Do you need to plan your workouts? Do you need a schedule? Are you a list person? Are you a schedule person? Are you a calendar person? Are you somebody that needs to check things off? You know what I mean? Do you need to learn how to grocery shop? Do you need to learn how to cook? Do you need to come up with simple recipes in order to keep you on track? Do you need to give yourself a couple different variations of your schedule? One that's like, okay, I'm waking up feeling really good. This is the things that I'm going to tackle to keep me on track. And one that's like, you know, today is one of them days where I got minimal effort. So this is, this is what I'm going to do today. You know what I mean? How do you need to prepare for this journey so that you can start and not automatically after two or three weeks, go right back to square one. So if you're not feeling ready, identify what would help you feel ready, right? Identify what would help you feel prepared so that way you can make the journey a lot less daunting, okay? Only you can decide what makes you feel prepared. Do you need more education? You know what I mean? Maybe go black, go back to, I don't know, was it question you know, four, uh, five, something like that. But do you need to plan a little bit better? You know what I mean? Only you can answer that question. Question eight, what are the primary obstacles or challenges that have prevented me from starting this journey earlier? Again, another one that's gonna take radical honesty. A lot of people, I'll say this for myself personally, it's the mental aspect. It's the mental, my mind, my brain is the primary obstacle and challenge (laughs) that has prevented me from doing a lot of things earlier. And that's true for a lot of you as well. It's your mindset, right? So you have to identify what your obstacles are so that you can proactively address them, address them. So for me, Because when I tell you there's a few of these episodes that I have procrastinated recording (laughs) because my mind, the way that I think, you know, there's some things that are triggered for me mentally and it triggers some self-doubt. So if you're one of those people that's just like, "I, I just don't believe that I can do it. You know what I mean? Or I just feel like I'm nervous or I don't want to put all this effort in and then not see the fruits of my labor when I want to see them. You know what I mean? Or I have a problem with delayed gratification. Again, you have to identify what your obstacle is, right? But if you don't do that, if you fail to identify what it is, you're going to repeat history, right? 
creating awareness around your obstacles and your challenges, that prevents history from repeating itself. And it's going to empower you to find solutions. I know for me, my solution is I got to rip the bandaid off. I got to just do it. You know, and again, it, it depends on what it is, but I just need to do it. So when it comes to recording this podcast, I just need to press record and talk. Right. And then the fear goes away. The more that I talk, the more that I'm speaking. You know what I mean? So you have to identify what that is for you. What is your primary obstacle? What are some challenges that you've had that are preventing you from starting or have prevented you from starting this journey earlier? So you might have to reflect a little bit. You might have to go back. You know what I mean? And this is going to probably trigger you, you know, triggers, trigger some unresolved trauma. Let's just keep it real. Right. Especially if you're a mindset person, if you're just kind of like really dealing with a lot of self-doubt or whatever that is. Right. If that is what has prevented you from starting this journey earlier, you got to be proactive about that and you have to dig deep and you might have to have some conversations with yourself first and foremost. Right. You you might have to do that. You know what I mean? You might have to have some pep talks. You might need to read some self-help books and stuff like that to start kind of renewing your mind right? To start challenging some of the belief systems that you have about yourself, about your environment, about your ability to be able to do this. Question number nine, what specific health goals do I want to achieve and why are they important to me? Okay. Listen, clear, specific goals provide direction and motivation. Okay, clear and specific goals. So you got to get clear and you got to get specific. So when you think about your health goals, it's not enough to just say, I want to be healthy. I get that. We all want to be healthy, right? But what specifically do you want to do? What does healthy look like for you? What is your specific health goal that you want to achieve and why is it important? So let's let's talk about the one that we all want to achieve, weight loss. Okay, maybe you're like, I want to lose 50 pounds. Okay, beautiful. I want to lose 50 pounds. But again, there's a part two to this question. Why is that important to me? Right? Why is losing 50 pounds important to you? What is losing 50 pounds going to allow you to do or going to allow you to feel or going to, you know, allow you to think about yourself that you do not think about yourself now, or you don't feel about yourself now, or you're unable to do now, right? So it's not just the overarching goal that you have. It's peeling back the layers. Why is this important to me? Why? You have to identify it. Is losing 50 pounds important to you because that is what society says, you know, the size that you need to be in order to feel worthy or in order to feel attractive or in order to get the attention that you want? You, you might have to unpack that, right? Or is losing 50 pounds important to you because you want to fit into a smaller size clothes? Okay, you know what I mean? If that's if that's validates your experience, there's nothing wrong with being honest with yourself about why you want to lose weight. You know what I'm saying? But again, dig deep, dig deep. Why does that 50 pounds matter or whatever it is that your goal is? You know what I mean? But knowing why these goals matter to you, that is what connects you to them. And also what connects them to your personal values. You know what I mean? That's why this question is important. Number 10, how do I envision my life and my well-being once I have achieved these health goals. I love this. I love this. So envisioning success creates a powerful mental image. Okay. When you envision your life after you've lost the 50 pounds, right? What does that look like? How do you envision? And I think sometimes people get really, really scared to envision because they don't want to kind of sell themselves false hope. But you have to understand, like seeing something before it comes into fruition, that's faith, number one. But seeing something is going to help you stay focused, 
right? It's going to help you stay focused on the long-term benefits of your health journey specifically, right? When you see that vision so clear to where you can almost taste it, to where it lights you up inside, like see yourself 50 pounds or 100 pounds lighter. Like you got to see it. I think we all have like a picture, right? Like we all have a picture of ourselves where we're smaller, right? Like we can all look at pictures of us, you know, back in, I don't know, high school or whatever. You'd be like, them, you know, the pictures that you look at and you'd be like, I thought I was so fat back then. Or I thought I was just so overweight. You know what I mean? And we was just, we was fine, right? Like, but envision yourself being back at that place. Maybe not mentally, right? Not maturity wise, but you know, physically, how good would that feel? Like give yourself a chance to see it without writing yourself off, without being like, oh no, I can't do that because, you know, that was so long ago. Why can't you? Why can't you? And that's why a lot of these questions are a lot. It's about your mental. It's about your mentality behind it. But you got to envision. You got to see it. How does it look? How does it feel? How does your life and your well-being look and feel once you get there? How do you want it to feel? If you don't know how it feels, how do you want it to feel, right? So envision, how do you envision your life being? What things are you doing? What places are you going to? Where are you shopping at, right? What what people, what kind of people are you dating? Okay, like what is what does your life look like now that that's your new reality? See that because once you see that, then you can align your actions with that and start showing up as that person. You know what I'm saying? And before you get, before you know it, you're going to, you're going to be in alignment. You're going to be there. Okay. Question number 11. We only got a couple, a couple questions left. What emotions or situations tend to trigger unhealthy habits or emotional eating for me? And how can I address these triggers effectively? I'm, I'm just going to call myself out on this. I feel like I created this question for me. Okay. Because when I tell you I am a big emotional and stress eater, and I think most of us are, and I think there also the reality of that is we don't really take the time to recognize the situations or the people or the environments or the any of that that trigger that in us. You know what I mean? All we can kind of recognize sometimes is that, hey, I'm stressed. Let me go eat. Or, you know, it, and sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes we can't even identify I'm eating because I'm stressed. It's okay, I feel sad and I want a greasy burger or I want fried something or I want, you know, creamy, fatty ice cream or whatever it is, you know, that we're eating. It's just like, I feel emotional and that is how I cope, you know? And so reflecting on this question and really identifying. So again, and I, I love this platform so much because it's really allowing me to highlight and uh, I guess shine light on me, right? I think a lot of times people see me, whether you you know whether you follow me on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and you're just like, oh, this this professional lady, you know, like, <laughs> I get it. But also, there's things that I struggle with too, you know. And so for me, I identify that one of the things that is very triggering for me is trying to figure out life with my son sometimes like he's homeschooled he's with me all the time so I don't have a lot of personal space and personal time to myself and that's very triggering for me sometimes he don't want to do school sometimes he is a Tasmanian devil and he has so much energy and he's bouncing off the walls there's no such thing as quiet there's no such thing as boundaries homeboy is all over the place and so as a mom I'll be stressed the F out. Okay. It's a lot. It's a whole lot. And that makes me emotional. And it also makes me feel defeated. And I notice in those times that I feel like eating. I'm just like, I feel like a bad mom because (laughs) I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be around him. I need some space. There's that guilt. Right. And so sometimes if I'm not careful, I can find myself going and grabbing things because I need to self-soothe. You know what I mean? So those are just kind of some different things, right? But when you identify your triggers, that's going to allow you to develop certain strategies to manage them without resorting to those unhealthy habits. It's a, it's a very, very crucial part 
of that emotional self-awareness. You got to be aware of your triggers so that way when they come to a head, you can be proactive and you can be like, ah, I recognize that I'm feeling irritated. I recognize that I'm feeling emotional. I recognize that I'm feeling stressed. And right now I really just want to self-soothe, but I got to be proactive because I, I know that I might feel good in the moment of me binge eating or whatever it is, however you cope, but I know I'm going to feel a thousand times worse 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after that. You know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong. There's going to be times where you don't really have a handle on it and you do binge. You know, that definitely happens to me. So like sometimes we just be like, F this, I don't care. Like I'm eating, I'm eating the cookies. I'm, I'm eating this, I'm eating that. You know what I mean? Sometimes it definitely, we're going to choose that. It's okay. But again, we're talking about really being mindful and really being super intentional about changing the way that we do things because we know in the long run that we want to just be better at the end of the day. We want to be better. So that's a really good, this is a really good place for you to sit down and you might need a journal, right? You might need a really journal. You might need to just be intentional about slowing down through your day. Something that is really helpful and something that I teach inside of Dominating Diabetes Academy um, is the power of a morning routine and how mastering the morning is one of the very, very best things that you could ever do in order to feel like you are in control of the rest of your day, right? In control of your eating habits, feeling more confident in those areas, more, you know, or less likely to like snap at your coworkers, like those kinds of things. When you master the morning and you have that time for just you, it's a super, 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 super incredible uh, catalyst for change. And so you might need to get to a place where you just sit with yourself, you know, and you kind of comb through your day-to-day activities from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep and just kind of identify what are the points of the day where you feel more triggered, where, you know, that anxiety kind of comes to a head. What happens? Who is involved? You know what I mean? What where are you at? You know what I mean? What's the environment like? Those kinds of things. And that can really help you kind of zero in on the emotions that you're feeling and the situations that are triggering for you. And then on the opposite end of that, again, part two of this question, how can I address these triggers effectively? What kind of strategies might you need to have in place to handle my coworker is pissing me off and I'm about to go upside her head. You know what I mean? Or what what strategies might you need to have in place to keep you from going through, you know, the McDonald's line, you know, on your lunch hour or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Those kinds of things. Question number 12, what strategies or coping mechanisms, and this is such a great segue from question 11, What strategies or coping mechanisms can I develop to manage stress, anxiety, or emotional challenges without resorting to unhealthy habits? I love this. So again, listen, listen, I'm I'm going to just keep it all the way real with you, okay? Stress and emotions and all of those things, that is just a part of life, Okay. Stress is not something that you are going to ever be able to get rid of completely. And that's not the goal. The goal is not to never stress. You know why? Because we're human beings. We are human and we deal with real life situations every single day. And those situations trigger our emotions. They trigger our hormones. They trigger, you know, all kinds of different things within us. That's just the reality. So stress and emotions and anxiety and all, it's part of life, right? But having healthy coping methods is going to ensure that you don't turn to unhealthy habits when you're faced with difficulties, right? Like that that's the whole key to this, this whole thing. You know, you want to have healthy ways of coping So that way, when you do reach a low point, because sometimes you are going to, that's just real, right? When you do reach a low point, you don't stay there for long, right? It's about having the plan or having tools to be able to pull you out of that place. Because I can tell you this right now, sometimes it's not falling off track that's hard. You know, it's 
it's falling off track and not having the tools or the know-how to pull yourself out of that place to get back on, to get back on track. That's what's hard. It's that staying there. It's not that you're never going to be there. It is the staying there that is hard because when we get stuck in a low point, we do feel like this is just life. And a lot of us do stay there and it not only impacts our day, but it impacts our week and our month and our year. And sometimes we keep bringing this, you know, stress and anxiety and unresolved trauma or whatever it is through through years and years and years and decades of our lives because we haven't learned how to cope effectively. And so the way that you need to cope might be different from the way that I need to cope. You know what I mean? One of the ways that I am finding now through my self-discovery journey is that I need to talk. I need to talk. I But I have learned to shut down my emotions and how I'm truly feeling since I was a little girl. I've learned to just suppress my emotions. And then I've learned to bury those emotions under tons of food. You know what I mean? Or distract myself from feeling those things. But I recognize that in order to help me manage my stress and anxiety and my emotional challenges, I need to talk. I need to express myself. Now, this isn't always easily done. It's definitely easier said than done, but I'm recognizing that. And so you might need to get to a place where you are recognizing some things. What is helpful to you? Do you need to talk? Do you need to be able to express yourself? Do you need to write? Journaling is also very effective for me because it allows me, maybe I don't have somebody that has the capacity to hold space for me where I am right now and through the things that I need to express right now. You know what I mean? Or sometimes I do have those moments where, you know, I do have this sort of fear of judgment thing going on. That definitely happens too, you know? So journaling is really good for me because it allows me to express myself and tell my honest truth without that feedback. You know what I'm saying? Like the page just listens. It doesn't, it doesn't respond, but it also allows me to express myself and release a lot of the pent up emotions and the pent up energy that I have, but you can't just keep it all inside. So identify some healthy, some, some healthy coping methods. Do you need to go on a walk? I'm also a nature person. Like when I'm feeling down and depressed, I got to go outside and I know I need to go outside. Because within a few minutes, I feel so much better. So what does that look like for you? How might your environment need to change? How might the people in your life need to show up for you? Can you identify that? Can you say, okay, when I'm going through this, this is how I need somebody to show up for me. Identify those things. Bring awareness to those things, right? And last but not least, question number 13. What role does self-esteem and body image play in my health goals? And how can I foster a more positive and nurturing relationship with myself throughout this journey? A positive self-image is essential for lasting change. It's essential. You need to be able to look at yourself through the lens of kind eyes. You know what I mean? Kindness for yourself. When you foster, you know, self-esteem and a healthy body image, that is going to ensure that you approach your health journey with self-love, but also self-acceptance. You have to accept yourself for who you are and where you are right now without picking yourself apart. We talked about that self-criticism early on, where it's, it's super easy for us to get to this place of Again, self-criticism because we're so disappointed in ourselves. And sometimes we ask ourselves, like, how did I let myself get to this place? Like, like how? And then when we look back on how long it's been that we've been in this place, like that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. That lowers our self-esteem. That makes us feel unworthy. That makes us feel disgusted. You know, it makes us feel like we don't even want to look at ourselves in the mirror because we are just so disappointed in what we see looking back at us. But if you don't take anything from this episode, one of the most important things that I want you to take is that it's so important for you to remember that there is still a little person inside of you. And when I say little person, I mean 
you got to remember that you've been through a lot in your life, that you've endured a lot, that you've seen a lot, that you've experienced a lot, that you have been surviving and living in survival mode for a really, really long time, most of us anyway. And it's really important that you accept the fact that life happens sometimes. And that doesn't mean that you agree with everything that has happened to you um, or, you know, that has happened within your life. But life happens sometimes and it's not always a, a reflection of who you are. But sometimes it's just that those are the cards that you have been dealt. And so I want to encourage you to practice radical self-love and understand, again, there is a younger version of you that still is alive within you. And a lot of times when we are dealing with certain emotions, it is our inner child that is acting out, that is speaking up, that is needing protection, that is needing help, that is needing to be acknowledged, that is feeling abandoned, that is feeling unheard or unseen or unimportant or disregarded and that is the person that you are healing. That is the person that you are acknowledging. That is the person that you are evolving for. So remember that when you are trying to foster a more positive and nurturing relationship with yourself, it's not the you that you are now, but it is the you that you have always been that has been alive in you since you were a little boy or girl. They are still very much so alive in you. So I just want to end the episode on that. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so, so, so excited to continue this podcasting journey, to just show up here every week and just have some real conversations because a lot of these things need to be said, okay? A lot of these things, light needs to be shined on a lot of these topics. And I want to encourage you again, once again, take some time to go through these. Sit down with yourself, put an hour aside tonight and really reflect on some of these questions and write it out, you know, cry if you need to, because it can get real deep in some of these questions. And I would love for you to check back with me in the comments and just kind of let me know some revelations that you may have had. Let me know some things that it brought up for you. Let me know if you have come up with a new plan of action for yourself. I would love, love, love to hear it. Until next time, stay healthy. All right, stay authentic, stay loved. I'll see you next week.